0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. If you have your Bibles, open them up, Uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew 5.1. Open up your Bibles in Matthew 5. One of you don't have one, Topher reminded me by grabbing them that we have some. So if you raise your hand, kind of like an auction, you can uh, use this Bible or make it your own because uh, the word of God is very important if you haven't figured that out yet. So I'm trying to figure out, this is one of the more subdued mornings we've had in a long time. Like, it took forever for people to get here, and then when you're here, you're real quiet. Like, I could just hear Tyler singing. I was like, is anyone else going to sing? And then when you greeted each other, you stopped right away, which doesn't usually happen here at Branches. Like, it usually goes on for a while, and we've got to corral you back together. So I'm assuming something sad is happening. Maybe there's a bunch of Yankee fans here. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm sorry for you. Um, um, But what we're going to talk about this morning, I'm pretty excited about for a bunch of reasons. You're going to need to be in Matthew 5.1. We are going through a series that we're about to start uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and we've, um, this is the graphic, the theme, and if you're looking at it, you're thinking, what in the world does that have to do with the Sermon on the Mount? We'll get there. Uh, I think the thing that we need to think of first when we think about the Sermon on the Mount is who's it for? Because we're, we're going to start jumping into it deep next week, but you can't get into it unless you know who it's for. And... There's a situation happening in, in my family's life that I think will hopefully define who this is for. So uh, ever since Bruno Mars was on the Grammys, when he first came on and this I can't remember the song he did, but he was dressed in all gold, he had all of his crew dressed in gold. I didn't know who the guy was. But he started playing, and they were dancing and moving, I went, "Who is this guy? I'm in?" And so since that time, every song he writes. So now everybody knows him. Like I was the first to find him, but now everyone else has found him. And if you know me, I'm a chintz. Uh, I don't really even know how to spell that. I don't really know what that means. But the way it's described to me, someone that doesn't like to spend money. And so we knew he was in concert. We were driving up to Mammoth uh, almost seven months ago, or something like that. We're going up to Mammoth, um, and. Stephanie says, Bruno Mars concerts are going on sale. And if we buy the album right now, then we get first shot at buying the tickets. Now, if you know me, it makes no sense that I would buy concert tickets. Because I just don't do that. I don't buy tickets. If someone hands me tickets, I may use them, but I don't go and buy them. But this is Bruno Mars. And so I said, let's get it for the whole family. And really quickly I did the math and I was like, oh one, two, three, four, five, six. Doing them way too much but I said we still got to do it it's Bruno Mars because I'm a fan I am a fan now and so we're going the first week of November and we're going up to LA and you know it has to be a lot for me because I'm pushing through a few things one I don't like driving to LA two I don't like parking three I don't like big crowds but it's Bruno Mars now when I go though I'm expecting things I'm expecting that the music is gonna make me want to move I'm expecting the light show is gonna be amazing I'm expecting that my family's gonna go, Dad, you're the best ever. This is the best memory we've ever had. We love you. Um, At my funeral 50 years from now, that's what they're gonna say with tears coming down and my great-grandchildren are gonna say, I heard one time, I'm expecting a lot from Bruno. He has got to provide. He is going to entertain me. He's going to give to me. I'm gonna have plenty of bread that comes from him. That's why I'm going, because I'm a fan. When you're a fan, and let's look at that word for a second here. Um, When you're a fan, this is the definition of a fan, you're an enthusiastic devotee, that's me, as of a sport, I got that going for me also, or a performing art, he's performing art, usually as a spectator. At any point, if he asks me to do something, I'm not going to do it. I'm coming to get something from him, not the other way around. I'm expecting, in fact, I want my chair cushy. I've never been to the forum. I don't know why he couldn't choose a nicer place than the forum, I think the forum's old, the Lakers used to play there. If it's a plastic chair, I'm a little frustrated. I, I, I'm paying good money, I want cushiony chairs, I'm a spectator. Number two, an ardent admirer or enthusiast as of a celebrity or a pursuit. So if you haven't figured out yet, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to go to this concert, but I'm going as a fan, not as a follower. If he asked me to do anything or if there's anything expected of me, I'm probably going to sell my tickets on Craigslist or if any of you would like to buy them, you're welcome to. When we get to this Sermon on the Mount, we need to know how we're approaching it. Are we approaching it as a fan, as a spectator, as an admirer? Or are we coming in a different way? Because Jesus was not sharing this Sermon on the Mount to fans. He was sharing it to those that he expected to do something with it, to followers. And this isn't just about the Sermon on the Mount. This is about what it means to follow Jesus. Now, I have to make sure, we always have to be very clear about this. This is not about salvation. Salvation is a gift. You can't earn it, you can't do anything for it. But the kingdom of God, he promises in the kingdom of God, life here on earth, that he promises it, life to the full. But to receive that life to the full is going to cost sacrifice, because anything worth it always costs. But when he's giving this sermon, he's giving it for people that are more than fans, that are more than spectators, that are more than admirers. So we're gonna look at just one verse from the Sermon on the Mount before he actually starts getting into it, just them arriving. Um, But before we get to that, I wanna make sure that we really help define what this means to be a fan. Um, and what it means to be a follower. So what we're going to have to do here is we're going to have to have a, um, a DTR. Uh, some of you know exactly what that means, and some of you are like, DTR, and you're trying to, you're trying to figure out the acronym. Um, it means to define the relationship. If you've ever dated, you've had that moment of defining the relationship. It could have been awkward. It could have been very Um, maybe you never really talked about it, you just started making out, and that defined your relationship. But defining the relationship usually means there's words. And in couples, usually there's one person that has the words and one person that doesn't like to use words. If you haven't figured out, I'm the guy that likes to use the words. So when Stephanie and I first started dating, we had reached a point three weeks later where to me, I needed some clarity because Steph doesn't use the words. She smiles, she looks happy, and, and I'm like, Wait, should I? where are we, what do we do? So I had, to, I had to DTR this thing. I had to figure out where do we stand? Where am I, where are you, what is this? So we met in San Diego, and this is to help you understand define the relationship, because we want you to define the relationship with Jesus. So I had to define it with Steph, and uh, I had to borrow someone's car, because my VW van always broke down. I'd already bought her a motorcycle, at this, when you're going to do the DTR, I'd recommend you don't do the motorcycle. So I borrowed my friend's truck, and we drove to the airport. Because growing up, uh, as a kid, um, we would go to the airport in San Diego. You can't do it anymore, but you used to be able to pull at the end of the runway. And just like in um, Wayne's World, the planes would come right over your head as they were taken off and sometimes landing. So we went there because it's romantic, right? If you're going to do the DTR, it's got to be beautiful and romantic. So we're sitting there, we pull in, and she's just kinda, she, there's no words, because I'm word man, she's wordless. And so I start going, well, you know, I don't even remember what I said, I'm sure it wasn't very defining, but I tried to say, you know what, I'm kinda liking this, I'd like it to be you and me, and blah, 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 like I said, I don't remember what I said, so I'm not gonna try to pretend to do that. But I do remember what she said, because I lay all this out, and then I just kinda look at her, she's quiet, so I start talking some more, because that's what I do when their silence. And it sounds some more, and I talk some more, and I'm like, oh, this isn't going good. And then she looks over, and in the wisdom of someone that doesn't speak all the time, she said, I like where this is going. I'm excited where we're going to be. I wanted a little bit more, but that's the defining of the relationship. Jesus, in the nature of, by which he approaches this crowd, is defining the relationship. By the very nature of the setting that's happening, which we're gonna look at right now, he's defining the relationship. And for us, we need to decide where do we stand. In this group, there are people that are fans and there's people that are disciples, students, apprentices. Now when I say student, a lot of us come from going to some kind of school, whether it be elementary school or junior high or high school or college or after. You can come and listen and not adopt. You know what I'm saying? You can come in, you're in statistics, you're in um, some literature class, and then you say this, what does this have to do with my life? Meaning, I'm never gonna use this. I have no intent, I'm just trying to get the grade. That's not the kind of student we're talking about here. We're talking about someone that's passionate, that believes in what they're doing, and they're coming because they believe in their teacher and they want to adopt what their teacher is saying. That's what a rabbi is. They have people that follow them and they're adopting that life. Not just ideas, but the life. And so as we see here, it starts, Matthew 5, 1, so if you have your Bibles, open up there. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. Something that I found out about Jesus, that whenever he has a large crowd, he would most often preach a message or do something that would cause this crowd to be thinned. It was as if he was filtering them out. He enjoyed the crowd. He loved everyone, but he was always running from the crowd or making them run from him, saying something where they would go, oh, uh, yeah, I think I'm out now. You're asking too much. Or this isn't what I signed up for. And he thinned them out. So when it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, We need to know how he interacts with these crowds. So with your Bibles, open to John chapter six, and we read a little bit of it earlier. Um, I'm gonna start us here in 626, but let me give you some background of what's happening here in this crowd. Now this is a separate time. We're looking at Matthew five. This is um, at a different time, but it's involving a crowd. And so Jesus, prior to this, has spoke on one side of the Sea of Galilee. He's spoken on one side. And then he leaves that side and he comes back over to the other side and then that's where he, um, near Tiberias, that's where he feeds the 5,000. And he's got another crowd. So the crowd just keeps following. So he comes over here. Then he goes again, after they've all been fed, he goes to the other side. And they wake up in the morning, the crowd, and they look, and they see one of the boats is missing. They're like, whoa, he's not here. He must be over there. So they head to, they're, they're just tracking him down. So he goes to the other side. Now, it said that he went to go to be alone. So he's not like, oh, i got to ditch the crowd. But he's going to be alone with just his disciples. So he goes to the other side, and they find him. And when they find him, this is what happens. They, they say, where were you? What's going on? And he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Later on, he says this. They ask him... What are we to do? That we, and this is from the Amplified Bible. If you don't know about the Amplified Bible, and all these Bibles are online, you can always look them up. I love the Amplified Bible because what it does is it takes certain words and explains them. So it's almost like they're doing the language study for you. Like they're saying, you know, it could be this or this or this. And so you'll see those in parentheses. So when you see parentheses, that's the translator of the Amplified Bible trying to say it so that it makes sense, so that you understand So the people are saying, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? And Jesus said, this is the work or the service that God asks of you. Now, remember the whole concert scene, right? Coming as a fan or a follower. When you're coming here to the Sermon on the Mount, when you're coming to sit at his feet, Something is required. There's service that's required of you. And these people are like, well, what do you want us to do then? Bob Goff said this um, to, to the church. He said, you have people that are coming that are just saying, tell me how. You're telling me all this about the Lord. T- just tell me how. And so this is Jesus saying this is how. And this is one of the verses that we memorized that Esh taught on a few weeks ago. This is the work or service, this is the how that God asks of you. That you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, that you trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. So to believe in the one whom he has sent, in parentheses, the Amplified Bible is saying, that you cleave to him, to believe in him means to cleave to him, to trust him, to rely on, and to have faith in his messenger. So Jesus goes and speaks some more to them about who he is and says, look, you need to trust me. It's not what you do, it's trusting in me. And after this, many of the people that were disciples, not just, part, not just fans, but were in that crowd, but they were disciples, they drew back. And what does that mean? It means they returned to their old associations. That phrase right there is the whole reason I even used the Amplified Bible this morning. Because I saw that and it was said so correctly and in such a way we could understand, to return to our old associations, and they no longer accompany them. So Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away? I remember what we talked about when Jesus asked questions. It's not like he's really asking, are you gonna go? Or he's not really asking, waiting for an answer. He's saying that so they can think about it. Where do you stand? He's asking them to define the relationship. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to stand? Are you standing here? or are you also going to leave? So it's not one that he's really waiting for the answer as much as they need to answer it for themselves, just like we do. So this graphic that Hairspray made for us when we talked it through, to live this out, to have this behavior, cannot be done without the belief, without the trust in who the teaching comes from. Because as you look into the Sermon on the Mount, as we start to go deeper, it's gonna start to freak you out. It will mess up your life. Because we're supposed to approach it saying, okay, Lord, how do I do this? I'm going to do this. I know where I stand, I've made a decision, I am going to follow you. And then you read what he's calling us to and you're going to ask yourself, if you're looking at it clearly, what have I gotten myself into? And that's what he's asking the disciples. Are you ready for this? Do you believe in me? Do you trust in me enough to do this? Because it's going to change your whole life. Or are you going to go back to your old associations? Are you going to try to mix and match? Well, I'll listen to you here, but not here. I'm going to go to this thing, but don't make it too hard for me. I want my cushy seats. I want to have easy parking. In fact, is there a a secret spot to park? Because that would make it a lot easier for me. That's not what Christ has called us to. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it more clearly than I could. He said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him or her to come and die, which means to take your life and to set it aside and say, I'm gonna take on the life that you give me, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how inconvenient, because I trust you. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and, and for those that are going to Israel, I can't wait for you to see it. We have a, a study group that's going in a few weeks and around the sea, the place that they think where it happened, because of the acoustics and just, you know, him going back and forth, it's this hill. So when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, that came later from Augustine. He's the one that, that um, coined that word, the mount. Nowhere in scripture does it say that, but it, we know that he was up high. So comes up and so he purposely walks up the hill and if you around the sea it kind of goes up into these mountains and not like Colorado mountains but Israel mountains and it goes up around the Sea of Galilee and so he starts just going up a little bit higher and you can just picture this whole crowd down below him in fact I went to the beach and they had these little um, rounded rocks I just took a couple and put in my pockets I thinking these maybe Jesus stepped on these little rocks And so it just reminds me. It reminds me of that crowd and the difference between the crowd and the followers. And as he comes up there, he sits down. Now you hear that, okay, sat down. And you can skip right over that. But for that culture at that time, when he sits down, it's as if a judge came into the courtroom and grabbed his gavel and went, boom, 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 boom. Everybody knows it's time to be quiet. judge is taking over. So when Jesus sits down, They all hear the gavel. It's on. He's taking the posture of a teacher. He didn't stand. He sat because in their culture, when you sit down, that communicates that the rabbi, the teacher, is going to speak. And those that are not just fans but are students, disciples, apprentices, followers, are going to come and sit at his feet. So when you look at this group, this crowd, It divides up between fans and disciples. The fans are just gonna keep standing because that's what they want. I I prefer to stand. And the disciples and the students are like, no. In fact, they're kind of fighting from the front row. I remember, um, (laughs) Chad, I'm gonna roll you under the bus right now. Chad started coming to Branches. I'm like, wow, he's always in the front. He must be just so fired up. He's like ready to go. And then we were on the men's retreat, and he's like, yeah, I always come to the front because I can't see anything. So I just come up so I can see, and we just laughed about it. But there's all these people that are choosing where they're going to sit, and I can just picture those people that came up the closest. So I sit down when I teach, and um, since I got sick, people associate this chair, and they're like, oh, Boog's sitting because he's so weak. He can't stand that long. It takes everything I can sometimes to stay in the seat. But the reason that I chose the chair, and actually the chair was even before I got sick, because I was talking with someone about um, teaching, and he said, you know, when you, when you teach, you have to find your own voice. And however your heart is towards your people, however you would speak to them in a normal situation, then present yourself that way on a Sunday morning or wherever. And as I thought about that, I thought about all the important conversations that when I'm speaking to people I love and I care for and there's something important. Like, when Steph and I are talking about something important happened in the family, I don't go, okay, now, Steph, I've been thinking about this. I don't have pregnant pauses. I don't do, I'm not speaking. I'm just sharing. When my kids come in and we're going to talk about something, I go, now, children, sit down. Let me speak to you. I don't. It, it, most of it happens in the kitchen area or in this little, um, in this little area we have uh, where we have our couches and a chair and we sit and I'm leaning forward because I care for them. And I can just picture Jesus sitting down and reaching forward in that same way because he cares, he cares for the entire crowd. He can't make them be students or disciples but he's gonna speak to those and he's gonna invite them but he's sitting down, I know it's part of the culture but I can sense that there's love there too because he cares about who he's speaking to and what he's sharing are words given to people that he loves. They're words of instruction that are to guide them to a more full life, one that may be difficult for them, but one that if they will trust him, if they will believe in him and take on these behaviors, they will have that full life. These are some tough decisions. When a rabbi sits And teaches, he's teaching to his students, his apprentices. And when we approach the Sermon on the Mount, you need to make that decision. Where where am I? You can be the fan. Just know that you've decided to be a fan for now. You can decide to be a student. But don't take on the kind of student that goes to trigonometry. Can you tell that I like literature more than math? You need to decide where you stand because as we get into this Sermon on the Mount, we have it scheduled for six weeks. It may go longer because we're gonna look at it and we're gonna pray through it and say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to focus on? But you have to decide where you stand because it was meant for students. It was meant for apprentices. There's still fans that are listening in that are spectators. But know where you stand. I hope that you will leave this morning making a decision how you're gonna approach the word of God, not just on Sunday mornings, but through life. Because we see here, There's, um, we see that his disciples came to him. And when they come to him, I can see them. They've gone a great effort to get here. They keep going back and forth, back and forth. They're following him. They're, hey, honey, where are you going? Well, you see, I've got to go. Why don't you come with me? It costs a lot to follow Jesus, especially in the physical, geographical sense here. And yet they come to him because, and I think of this parable when Jesus was describing what the kingdom of heaven was like. What's it like to have this life, to have these behaviors? What is it, what's gonna come of it? And he said, this life, this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God, it's like someone that finds this treasure in a field. They don't own this field. But they find the treasure, and it's so valuable that they leave, and they sell everything they have. They give up everything so they can come back, so they can buy this field from who owns it just for that treasure. And I imagine these disciples coming there with something so valuable that they want it. I think of my daughter. She's going to date someday. She thinks it's coming up soon. She has no idea how far out it really is especially as I define it. And then someday, she's going to get married. And it's already started, which is weird, but there's boys that talk about her. There's boys that like, want to be around her. She's a treasure. And she is so valuable that I've started figuring out how I'm going to approach these guys I've started thinking through application processes, multiple pages, references. I've thought through um, how I'm going to watch them from afar. Because she's so valuable, I don't want them to just try to win her. They need to approach her willing to sacrifice everything for her, to give their life for her because she's that valuable. That's what marriage is from both sides. That we see a treasure so great that we are willing to give our lives away. Not to just plunder the treasure, but to give our life away. So as we approach this Sermon on the Mount, that's how we need to approach it, as a great treasure. So, as Bob Goff said, tell us how. So for these upcoming weeks, for this week, starting today, in fact, with your Bible in your hand, open up please to Matthew chapter 5. I want to make sure you all know where it is. If you don't have a paper Bible, which most people don't have nowadays, pull your gun out of its holster, also known as your iPhone, your Galaxy, whatever it is that you're using that has the Bible on it, um, and read through Matthew 5 through 7. At times, you may read through all three chapters. At times, you may only make it through a few verses. But however you approach it, approach it knowing where am I standing? Am I listening in, trying to decide is this something I'm willing to give my life to? Or have I already made that decision? And if you've already made that decision, then make those changes as they're appropriate and wrestle with this because this is not easy as you're going to see. There are going to be times that um, you read through this and you're going to know when it says if someone has something against you, you need to go to them first before you come to me. This is the Lord speaking. And that face is going to pop up in your mind. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to go to them first and say, I'm sorry for what I did. Or is there something I've done? And you're like, I don't want to deal with that. Well, then it's not a matter of what you want unless you've decided to be a fan. Then you can just, well, I don't really feel like doing that. But if you decided to follow, then you have to do that. I had to do that this morning. I had to text someone that I'm pretty sure. I'm like, I I treated that person horribly. Did not want to do it. Bugged me all night. Bugged me this morning. I'm still stressed. My muscles hurt right here. But that's the decision you make when you're a follower. You do things you don't want to do because you trust who gave you the teaching to do it. If you have someone that you can't stand, an enemy, someone you hate, you pray for them and you do good to them. If you make a promise, an oath, you stick to it. Because as a follower of Jesus, you make your yes, yes, and your no, no. You stand by it. You're gonna see this pattern in your life as you look at God's word where things pop up and you're like, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Do not judge, for in the same way you judge, you too shall be judged. But what do you mean? How am I supposed to be discerning? What does that mean? But you're gonna know the difference as you present yourself before the Lord. As you wrestle with Matthew five through seven, this is gonna start to become clearer and clearer to you. And I wanna close with this before the worship team comes and leads us. I can't get over this reality. The God of the universe sent his only son and didn't promote himself. He wasn't like, hey, come on. He didn't try to talk us into it. He just allows us to come. How did I find out about the Bruno Mars concert? Because it was everywhere. It was on the internet. It was on the radio. It was in my email. It was out there. But he didn't take that approach. Why didn't he choose to come at this time? It all fits into the nature of who God is. But when he comes, he comes and he sits before us because he loves us. This is all teaching because he loves us. And then we have to just make the decision where we stand. It took me a while to come to this conclusion where I was going to follow him. I was a fan or at least an admirer from a distance. And I started inching a little bit closer each time. That's okay. But know where you're standing. Next week we jump into it. And it's for the entire crowd, but know where you stand. So I will invite the worship team up, and then I'm going to pray for us. If you could stand with me. If you want to stay seated, you could do that as well. Just take the posture that's most appropriate that um, fits for you. Father, we, um, we sit before you. The creator of all. And you loved us so much that you sent your only son. And you give us the opportunity to sit at his feet and to hear from him. Lord, give us the strength and the courage to move forward. And as you say, you give us even the belief. So grow in us a trust in you, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Um, Book asked me to uh, close up today. And when he was talking today, I, I, I this, this is something I've shared with my small group, at, uh, maybe a couple years ago. But um, I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty close, close with my, my father, brother. and he's really he's such, such a, good a good guy. guy. He's, he's such a good, a good um, such, such a good, good dad, dad. And, um, and he is he's, he's like, like a schedule guy. So, so every. <laughs> every, every morning, morning he gets, he gets up, up. I mean, I honestly don't know when he gets up, but he's, but he's always, always the, first the first one first up in the house. He has been ever since I was, since I was, was really, really small. That's, that's when, when he, he prays and he reads and the Bible and writes. writes. Um, and, and so, so he's been in his, in his, his chair, chair with his cup of coffee, coffee since, since I've woken up, ever since I can remember. And I just remember very vividly, there was this phase in my life where It was at, I think it was after college, where when I would come home and stay home, um, I would suddenly, I would get up and I know my dad was up and I just wanna go downstairs and be with him and talk to him. It's something I could have done my whole childhood and I don't think I really did. I didn't see, he was someone I got things from. I didn't see necessarily the value um, in just being able to be with him and to learn from him. Um, And, uh, I kind of had that same stage with the Lord. Um, it was probably the, around the time I was pregnant with my first son, um, where I had all of these anxieties and worries. And uh, I had this realization that, like, the Lord, if I get up in the morning and go downstairs, the um, Lord's waiting there for me. Uh, and if I set the coffee in advance, <laughs> he's waiting with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And that he's there to listen and to speak um, and uh, to be with me. And uh, he's just kind of like what Hoku was singing about last week. Like, he's never... He was always there. He doesn't leave me, and, and I, come, you know, I, I come back, and I, I leave, and I come back. Uh, he doesn't do that. He's there all the time. Um, and for me to be a follower and not a fan is um, taking those steps um, to be with him first thing in the morning. I don't do it every day, um, but just when I first wake up, I, just, I remember that he's there, and he's here, and he's for me, and I'm so grateful, so grateful for that. To you join me in prayer? Thank you, Father. Thank you for this time where we got to um, sit at your feet um, and learn more about you, Father. And I just I pray that you would be with everyone today as they go off and do what they do, and that uh, that we know you're with us, and that we would remember that, Father, um, and that we would listen for what you have to say, and we, um, that we would go where you
0: want us to go. Uh, thank, thank you so you much. much, and you're, sweet. you're sweet. Amen.